Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the day. We thank you for this time, this time with you. We thank you for the opportunity to draw ever closer to you. We thank you for Lori and for all the other seminar speakers. And Father, we just praise you and help. ask that you will help us to carry this stuff home and be a light for you so Jesus can come even sooner. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Well... Empathy is one of the hallmarks of emotional intelligence. And people with low emotional intelligence don't even try to understand the emotions of others. That's what we should be doing, is trying to understand the emotions of others. So they, sh they will show little empathy for someone if they aren't trying to figure out how they're feeling and what's going on. They don't try to place themselves in another person's shoes, and that's exactly what empathy is, is that you're putting yourself in somebody else's shoes to try and figure out how they must be feeling. Empathy is necessary because it connects us with other people. You think about, um, I, I did something really bad when I was in college. There was a evangelistic series, and it was in a church in California, and I was visiting with a friend, and the evangelist just talked all the time. He never, ever, you know, slowed down, even when he was in line greeting people. And I did something bad. I said to my friends, he doesn't care about you. And they're like, oh, sure he does. I'm like, yeah, you think he's really all that. And I'm, he doesn't care about people. And they're like, no, he's really a nice person. So he's like, you know, nice to see you, sister. Great to see you. So happy you're there, right? So I got in line, and he said, how are you doing? And I said, my cat died, and I'm just distraught. And he said, praise the Lord, and he pulled me right through. I said, see? Well, that didn't really prove anything. But you know, there are people who are just doing that courteous sneeze, right? How are you doing? Glad to see you. And you say, something's wrong, and they're going, oh, really? Well, okay, let's, and they change the subject, or they go somewhere else. So we sometimes know that people aren't really interested in what we're saying. So again, emotional intelligence is connecting with people. And when we connect with people, we're less self-centered because we really are considering the other person's needs over ours. And we also have more concern for them. And we're also thinking about our goal, which is to introduce them to Jesus, right? We live in a society that's pretty self-absorbed. Most people are too busy to pay attention. What do you notice about going on out in society right now? What, when they say they're not, pulling um, they're not paying attention, what are we talking about? They're on the cell phone. My husband and I, we were in a swimming pool at a resort, and we um, saw this couple come out, and they had this little baby, and they put her, it was so sweet, they put her on this little um, floating raft, and and they got into the pool, and they started in on their phone. And um, the baby was like, coo, ha, you know, trying to get the attention. And the parents had their head in the, in the phone. And I thought, you know, she wants their attention so bad, it's probably there. And they're just on their phone, on their phone. And then, I, see, it was one of those pools where it was warm, and so we were just all enjoying the nice warm water, just walking around in this pool. It's a very large pool. And there was a father, and he had a raft with his computer on it in the pool. And the kids were all, he had three kids, and they were jumping in the pool, and they're going, Daddy, Daddy, watch, watch, Daddy. 
And, and he's like, I'm watching, I'm watching. You know, he's like on his computer. And if he looked up, it was for just, you know, less than a millisecond. And um, they kept going, Daddy, see what I can do? And he's like on his computer. And my husband and I just said, isn't that so sad? This is a vacation where they're spending time with their family, and yet they really aren't there. So we're very disconnected, aren't we? Um, there are also people who will practice empathy, but it's not because they love and care about somebody. It's because they want something. Have you ever seen that? We had some new church members, and they were so excited because some other church members invited them to their house for dinner on a day that wasn't Sabbath, and they felt really encouraged that somebody would take an interest in them. And so when I asked them how it went, they went, oh. I'm like, what? What happened? And they said, oh, they wanted us to buy some products. And then they started showing us pictures of sailboats and cruises and said, you know, if you join us and you sell products and you become a seller, don't you deserve this? They kept telling them, don't you deserve this? And then they said, we just felt really betrayed. Any of you had that experience? That they felt like they were your friends, but they just weren't there. So are we guilty of being self-centered and selfish? Yes, because we're human, and the devil wants it to do it. Um, uh, I, I was just thinking about that when I was writing this morning. I thought, am I self-centered? Yes, I want my toes to be warm. You ever think about that? I don't want it to be too hot, and I don't want it to be too cold, and I don't want it to be wet, and I don't want it to be... I want it to be dry, but not too dry. And try. Have you ever noticed how much we are about, you know? I've seen um, people getting really upset about classes here. You know, the room is too hot, it's too crowded, and I'm like, there really isn't any other place for them to go, and we don't have air conditioning in some of the rooms. But it's like, if it's not a certain way, and then you think about, my mom, remember, she always says, there's always somebody worse than you. Have you ever been on a mission trip and watched that they're in this rickety old building that leaks and they're all sitting on, on stumps of trees and we think, I just need to have it with padding and with air conditioning. You just think about how we are. So God has to work on us, right? Because we're getting ready for the end of time and it's not going to be always comfortable. And we're going to probably lose our electricity and we're going to lose our our internet, and I'm like, I hope we can make it, right? <laughs> we need to be able to tolerate discomfort. You remember the song we sang? I don't like it, I don't like it, it's okay. One time I went to a church. Now, I was a speaker at that church, and I had visited it just this one time. I invited a friend who had stopped going to church at her church, and I thought, well, this is halfway between her church and this other church, and I thought maybe that would be a good experience for her, and she'll connect with these people, and then she'll want to come here, because if she had a bad experience at that one, this will be better. And she believed in the Adventist message, she just didn't like the church. So we came in, no one greeted us. So we went and we joined a Sabbath school class. We were talking about which one should we join, and we, we looked and we saw two, and we we saw one with a bunch of women, and I thought, well, good, she'll connect with the women. So we sat down, and they just continued on. Nobody stopped. Nobody said, hello, what's your name, or whatever. And um, we went into the church service, and, you know, it was okay. And then at the potluck, 
I, I didn't know who it was that announced it, and he said, um, since Lori is our speaker today, we'll let her and her friend go first. And I thought, well, that was really nice. I mean, I don't have to go. I'm not any more important than anybody else. And as I went to pick up my plate, about 20 people, 20 people rushed in front of me. And you know, like, well, you know, maybe they're young or whatever. And I'm one of those people, I, I guess I've been a pastor's wife for 40 some years, so like I always bring a dish to pass. I just wanted to bring a dish to pass. And so I had my, my dish out there, but those people lined up like pigs to a trough. Do you know what I'm saying? They piled their plates high, and when we got through line, there was hardly any food, and including my dishes that I had brought were scraped clean. And there were about 30 more people behind me. So I have no doubt that most of them did not get anything except there were some potato chips and I think a jello salad. And I said to my friend, so what did you think of that church? I hated to ask her, and she said, I don't think I really connected with the people there. I'm like thinking, yeah. Oh, by the way, I sat with the people. Um, you know, I, I sat at a table. It looked like, you know, there were just like two people at the table, and I thought, well, I'll go and befriend them, and I was trying to be nice. What do you do when you're trying to get to know people? You ask them their names, where they're from, how long have they been here, and they just unleashed, you know, the problems of the church and how they weren't happy with their pastor and, and you know, how what was going on with their grandma in Greenland, and they just, whoo! Do you notice that sometimes when you meet somebody in the first 30 seconds, it's all about them, it's just like, whoo, right? Now, I, again, you know, if I was their therapist, then that was okay, if I was their doctor, that might be okay, but I was their guest, right? And of course, I have somebody who needs to be befriended, so the fact that they would just ignore her and just launch into their stories, and so no one ever asked her her name or where she was from or that she lived only 15 minutes away or nothing. It was just really, really sad. So again, when I asked her, how did you feel about that church? She said, I just really didn't connect with anyone, and I said, so you don't really feel like you want to go back? And she said, no, not really. I can understand that. There are people who have been coming up to me and saying, why do we do this evangelism thing? I mean, you know, we bring people in and then they never stay at our church. Whose responsibility is it? It's ours. I'm a committee of one. I'm supposed to befriend them, call them, encourage them, support them. So when you think about empathy, it's not all about who's going to befriend me. It's about if I represent Christ, then I need to do my part to be a committee of one and make people feel welcomed in my church. Would you say amen to that? The Bible talks about there's a time to talk and a time to be quiet, right? There's a time to be interested in some people more than yourself. Would you agree? Yeah. And there is times when we need to be meeting the needs of other people and not just our own needs by the way, if we are always hungry and we are always trying to get our needs met by spewing to people and telling them what we need and never asking them back, that is all about us. And will they be filled when we're done? Because why? Because they're trying to get their needs met by a human being and no human can really make all of those holes in your heart go away. 
right? And we do much better when we meet the needs of other people, we start to get our own needs met. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. We're going to talk about service a little bit farther here. Um, let's read this verse. Philippians 2.5. Ready? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Do you remember Jesus going around and going, you do not know how my brothers have been treating me. And do you know what they do to me in these villages? And you know how annoying it is when these people just, you know, are always trying to get me in trouble. Did you ever hear him saying those things? What did he do when he walked around? He served others, didn't he? He was healing. People were pressing about him. People were constantly wanting to ask him questions. I don't think people really asked him how he was doing. Are you, are you tired? Are you hungry? Are you dusty? Would you like to rest a while? I don't think anybody did that. But he wasn't doing anything about that. Have you also noticed that there are a lot of people around us that have a lot of needs? Have you? Any of you believe in divine encounters? Do you know what I'm saying? Have you ever asked the Lord for a divine encounter? It's scary because he brings them to you, doesn't he? We need to be asking, is there somebody I could witness to or whatever? But I've asked for divine encounters, and the Lord brings one to me. I was on vacation. We were in Mexico, and my husband and I were going to walk on the boardwalk by the ocean. And as we were walking, I looked over and I saw this young girl, pretty girl, probably in her 20s, bawling her head off sitting on the bench, and I said to my husband, uh, just a minute, he's like, you're not going to do the counselor thing again, are you? I'm like, just give me a few minutes. So I went over there and I said, can I, can I talk to you? And she's like, yes. So we started talking, and she had come there with her boyfriend, and he started to call her things like disgusting and ugly and she was um, hurt, and he told her he wished that she would just go home. He didn't want to be around her. And we talked about what would it take for her to get home. Well, you know, she, came, she could only go by bus because she came with him. And her mom was in Mexico City, and she, she thought she might have enough money for that. And I'm like, will your mom be happy? Oh, yeah, her mom would be happy to see her. She, her mom was upset that she came in the first place. And, so we got that all straightened out. I asked her, can I give you a hug and pray with you? Oh, yes, that she would let me do that. My husband kept walking around in circles. I'm so glad that the walls didn't fall down or something like that. And so when he saw me hugging her, he came up and he said, is, is it okay if I come over? And she, I introduced her and I said, and so here's my phone number if you want to call me. And she said, thank you so much. It was so <laughs> Then she was hugging both of us. And... So anyway, and uh, another time, I was in the bathroom in Tennessee at a rafting trip. We had been floating down the river at Cherokee, Tennessee. And there was somebody crying in the bathroom. I don't know, like, why is it always me? And I, uh, this woman had been bullied by a group of girls, and she'd, they'd been calling her ugly in her bathing suit, and they, she didn't know what she was going to do, and she didn't know if she could stand to be with them, and nobody was answering at home, and she just wanted somebody to come drive her, and she was three hours from home, and we, you know, got her calmed down, and you know, it's amazing, you can ask people, can I pray with you, and they really do appreciate it, and uh, I prayed with her, and she said she felt like she could just get through the rest of the day, and she would go home, and I'm just like, we need to keep our eyes open for people who are in distress, 
that could use an encouraging word and a prayer. And God um, sent his son here to minister to all of us troubled people. And if that's what we're supposed to do, we need to be looking for other people. God will set up appointments for you even at camp meeting. Do you believe that? Any of you talk to somebody who had an issue that needed prayer? Okay, a couple of you. I would like to encourage you that you look for somebody that's on this campus that maybe is different from you or whatever, and that you ask them if there's anything you can pray for them for. Would you be willing to do How many of you would be willing to do that? All right, thank you. And I think it's very important. If we are supposed to have the mindset of Christ, that's very important. Now, there's a difference between empathy and sympathy. Sympathy is like, oh, that's so sad. That's just terrible. I don't know how you can stand that, right? It's annoying. Empathy is, I feel your pain. That must be very difficult. So if somebody says to you, here's the scar I have from my bike accident 15 years ago, what would you think? They probably need some sympathy, right? It's not an urgent thing or whatever. So what could you say? You could say, wow, it looks like you really had a bad accident, right? And then they could say, yes, I did. But you know, the real problem is, and then they really will tell you, right? Um, What if somebody says that they, um, they can't pay their bills. Sympathy is like, well, let me just get you off my, my you know, guilt and conscience or whatever. Maybe I could just hand you money. That's not always the best way, right? Have you ever heard about you buy a fish and then you feed somebody and that's all they have? But if you teach them to fish, then you ha- help them to be more maintaining of their life. So you don't want to just jump in and save and rescue You want to find out more. You want to be considerate. Sometimes you might be a resource person, right? Very important. Last night, I was getting a massage. Anybody had a massage up here? There's some Adventist massage people. They pray with you, and it's like, don't take my... No, no. They just, they pray with you, and they pray with you about your issues, and then, yeah, I had a neck that really hurt yesterday. I'm very thankful. And she was telling me about uh, somebody in their family that got... Um, diagnosed at the University of Michigan with some issue. And have you ever had somebody telling you about something and you're dying to tell them about your issue? Have you ever had somebody say, you know, my mother died? And they go, yes, honey, I know, because my mother died three years ago. And they become the focus of that talk. Isn't that easy to do? But it's not about us, is it? We need to, right? Yes, I wanted to tell her about when I got diagnosed at the University of Michigan with an eye issue only a month ago, but I tried to hold my tongue, and it was more about her than it was about me. We need to be exercising on a regular basis, not talking about ourselves, but listening to people about what they're struggling with. Let's read this. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Philippians 4, 5. It says gentleness. Isn't that a kind word? When you are in your... Are you all here today? When you're in your amygdala, are you being kind and gentle? So when somebody says something or does something, you have to wait till it goes here to the frontal lobe so that you can be logical kind, conscientious, and think about social relationships. 
and then you will be gentle. When somebody needs comfort, what are some gestures that we should do? What should be important for us to do so that we can communicate that we are considering them and interested in what they're saying? What about your eyes? Look at them. That would be a really nice thing. Have you noticed at camp meeting, no one can look at you in the eye? They're always looking to see if they're missing anybody behind you. You ever seen that? That's the camp meeting gesture. Oh, yeah, hi, nice to see you. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? So we should look at them in the eye. What about if they cry? By the way, do men cry? Okay. So if they cry... Sometimes we could even, if it's a female to female, it's not an issue to put your hand on their hand or on their shoulder or on their arm. But if it's a, somebody of another sex, you should, you should ask, is it okay if I touch your hand right now? I see you're really having a hard time or give them a Kleenex or whatever. And you listen. Um, should you always offer to have prayer with them? Don't you think that would be an appropriate thing? Are you not naturally nurturing would anyone admit, I don't need you to do that, would anyone admit that they just don't have warmth and, and calmness and peace and comfort and empathy flowing through their bodies? Well, guess what? We're damaged. So emotional intelligence is using your intelligence to decide what to do. We already know what we're supposed to do when we're being empathetic. And you go, well, I don't feel it, so I don't need to act that way. Well, really? The truth is that God wants us to do the best that we can, and we need to do what we know is important to do, even in a relationship that's got a lot of damage, and we can expect that God will help us with our damaged emotions, and he'll heal us. So do what you know is important to do. Imagine how it is for them and what they're concerned about, and be interested, and do less talking than they are. Wouldn't that be a good thing? Daniel Goleman, now he's the one who wrote about emotional intelligence, and he studied teachers and leaders that were highly successful. You know, they were, um, people wrote on surveys about who they felt were the most popular people that they were working with, whether it was students or employees, I'm sorry, or leaders. And he found out that the students and employees grow and flourish if they feel that their leader or teacher deeply cares for them as an individual. He also found out that these teachers were not arrogant, rather they were humble and vulnerable about their limitations, and they admitted their faults. Mrs. White talks about the importance of self-denial in so many of her quotes, and see, this is something that if we are following it, we would have more success in the things that we do, whether we're teaching children or whether we're leading adults. And being self-denied, what would be the opposite of self-denial? Self-what? Gratification, arrogance, indulgence. Anybody heard about the narcissistic personality disorder? We've been hearing a lot about that. They say we're from a narcissistic um Nation. They said that we have more narcissists than we ever have. Narcissists are where people are self-oriented, always trying to bring the topic to themselves, bragging, 
focused on making themselves the focus of every conversation or whatever's going on, and not concerned about other people stepping on them to get to where they want to go. And they have much difficulty in their relationships. And if we, um, we are always um, spoiling our children, we can actually build those types of personalities. So know that self-denial is earning when you're learning. So that's very important. All right, being authentic is like being real, admitting that you don't know everything, asking for forgiveness, recognizing that you aren't important, I mean, you aren't more important than other people. Lacking empathy hurts relationships, according to Goleman, 1995. So let's look at what Colossians 3.12 says. Would you read this with me? Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So what steps out of what we're talking about? Humility and compassion, doesn't it? And so if we just go by what the Bible tells us, we won't develop some of those behavior traits that are so difficult. Isn't the Bible amazing? Don't you get amazed to think that there were all these things in the Bible and now science is just starting to figure it all out? And yet, have we had a nation where we've had less compassion being um, worked on with people? We're kind of in a place where people do the bullying out loud, even on the news. They're harsh, they're unkind, they're not gentle, they're impatient with each other. We certainly see a change in our country. And when you see it reflected in the leaders over the country, you will see that there's changes that will come down to the society and you'll start to see it in your church in about five to ten years more. It's very sad. When we are empathetic, we need to adjust the volume of our voice. I used to be in trouble all the time with my mother about being so noisy. And when I would work in the dorm, the the girl's dean would tell me, now, Lori, lower your voice. And what they found out about emotionally intelligent people is that they don't talk over people and talk like they want to be noticed all the time in a showy and loud manner. Somebody told me in England that they can always tell the Americans because they're always loud when they're walking on the sidewalk and you just go, oh, there they are again. I'm like, really? We are to be more interested in hearing others and being considerate to others than having others hear us. See? Self-denial, isn't it? We have, by the way, we have how many ears? Two ears, and so we need to be double hearing and less mouth, right? When you um, have a conversation with someone, um, you want to ask more questions before you make a decision about what they're saying and jumping to a conclusion. If you want to be heard, by the way, when it comes to couples, um, I'll often have couples, uh, you know, women are more emotional, so often it's the female, and she might be expressing her displeasure with her husband in a a certain way, um, but probably loudly, upset, angry, and I'll often ask her because I'll watch the husband, and he seems a little lost, and I'll say, so what was it that your wife just said? And he said, I don't know, but she sure is mad at me. And I'm like, so lesson number one, if you want your husband to hear you, take your emotion down, calm yourself down, say it in as logical and calm voice as you can, and then he'll hear you. 
but if he only hears the emotion, he won't be thinking about what you're saying. She'll say, I've told him several times. Well, he didn't get it because you were being too upset. Forgiveness is another part of empathy. Emotionally healthy people forgive. They don't hold on to grievances and obsess about them. Low emotion people never forget and they keep score and they like to bring it up and try to badger somebody with what's going on. So when we're asking the Lord to help us with our forgiveness, we need to recognize that we put ourselves into a self-imposed prison because we have to keep listing what that person did over and over and be upset by it. You know, it's, we don't have to have everything perfect, do we? We don't have to have somebody for, um, know every nuance of a, of a situation. It's like trying to drive a car forward and looking in the rearview mirror. You can really have a difficult time going forward in a relationship. And you might find it difficult to have empathy when you're very bitter against somebody or unforgiving. So emotions are very difficult, but they can be dealt with. All right. Let's read Matthew 25, 40. All right? Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Do you think that God takes it really serious when we mistreat his brothers and sisters, his children? How many of you know that you're here because of the mercy of God? And why is it that we don't give other people mercy? Mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. Grace is giving someone what they don't deserve. Would you agree with that? We need to treat people the way that Jesus treated us, and we're doing it for him. So when you're very angry and you really want to get after somebody, remember that God gave you mercy, and you need to give them mercy too. And there are things that are not going to be fixed. You might have to agree to disagree, right? When God lives in his heart, in our hearts, he motivates us to want to serve others too. That's another thing is that it can't only be about myself. It needs to be about serving others. When we work on a project to help others, we actually help ourselves. Do you believe that God tells us to do things because he's just a, a difficult person? He wants us to do certain things and he has all these rules. Or do you recognize that many of the things he tells us to do are actually going to enhance us? I'm going to tell you a little more about that in a minute. How I treat others, do you think it's a reflection of my Christian experience? Hmm. Selfish people are not happy people. Would you agree with that? If you aren't happy, you might need to ask yourself, how's my religious experience going? I like Craig Harris. He always is showing the kids. He's always giving them a five. You know, He wants to know, where are they with God? And he'll go five and... You know, kids will go like this three or two, and he'll go, well, what do you need to do to get up to five, you know? Just those little things, very important. All right, let's do 1 Peter 3.9. I'd like you to all do it with me. Never retaliate when people say unkind things to you. Pay them back with a blessing, and God will bless you. Isn't that wonderful? 1 Peter 3.9. And it might be a version. I just, I thought it was nicely put, so it's probably a different version, and I don't see it saying that. Um, we don't know what God, what holds tomorrow. We, how many of you know that you're going to be here tomorrow for sure? 
We don't really know, do we? We don't know if we're going to be here in an hour, right? Yeah, James White died in church, right? We've had a friend, and he said to his wife, wasn't that a great Sabbath school lesson? He got up and he died. And I'm just like, we don't know when we're going to be on this earth. And God only gives us a little time with certain people. And if you lose that opportunity, you may always be sad about it. So make sure you don't lose your opportunity when you can impact somebody and be kind to them and show empathy to them. Uh, How about at the end? All right. And um, sometimes, you know, we're in this little utopia of camp meeting. And we have to go back to the world. Enjoy it, right? Because then we get back to all the bills and the things we have to do and our routines, etc. So it's a good time. Are you coming to tell me something? I'm not supposed to know. Oh, okay. Just keep going. All right. We're to follow God's example, which is, I mean, Christ's example, which is that he cared enough to try and help each person that came to him. And we have a responsibility Okay, so let's go to, what does that right side of that poster say? Hurt people, hurt people. If you are going to retaliate against somebody who hurts you, remember that they're probably hurt and that's why they said that. Why would we want to continue to injure people when they're hurting us? I like the saying, it's a saying by Arthur Foreman, Not everyone thinks the way you think. Was that true? Not everyone knows the things you know. Would that be true? Not not everyone believes the things you believe, right? No one, not, um, I'm sorry, not everyone acts the way you would act. Remember this and you will go a long way in getting along with people. We often judge people and think they should know better and they should do it the way I would do it. But you know what? We are in a different world and we do not know what they do. By the way, the devil loves to stir up trouble, doesn't he? And he loves to see people get injured. And so we are actually benefiting him when we react to people. Here's another saying. If we're fighting each other, we can't fight the enemy. Isn't that true? The enemy really wants to take us onto different roads, and then we can't continue our journey to heaven. So when it looks like your church is having a lot of trouble, it's time to really pray, isn't it? Because when we start to divide and conquer and, and bully, etc., that is where more people are hurt than any other place. We don't expect bullying and hurtfulness to happen in a church, and so... Churches that have wars going on are really in a lot of pain, and they victimize people. What does God do? Let's say Psalms 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. Isn't that something that we want to emulate God on and do? We know God has empathy and love for us. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 We are sinful. We need God to help us. We need to be doing what we can to try and make peace. We're, to, we're called to be peacemakers. So I'm going to ask you, if we're peacemakers and we live in a, a wicked world, Do you think we're more negative than we are positive in the way we think? We are more negative. 
In fact, people suggest that we do gratitude because not only does it help our social skills and our outlook and it decreases depression, anxiety, we need to be encouraging other people. And if we don't cultivate it, we're not looking for it. Would you agree? So I'd like to ask you, I want to see if you can come up with some ways. When you're talking to children, what are some encouraging things that you could say to children? Anybody? An encouraging thing that you could say to children. I'll repeat what you say. You did a good job. So that is very important. They really do want to please an adult, don't they? What is another one? I'm proud of you. God has blessed you. So they that's very important. Anything else? If they're upset because they didn't do a good job, tell them, well, the more you do, the better you get. So she's saying, what if, if they didn't do a very good job and, and they're upset about it, encourage them and give them hope and say, you know, next time you can do a better job, right? So, like, giving people hope is very important. Anything else? You need to be honest with them. Don't build them up and butter them up. Oh, yeah. They know. They know if you're not. Yes, she says, make sure you're honest because you don't want to just flatter them. Like actually, kids turn you off when you do flattering and all of that, and you talk that way to them. They, they tune you out. So be honest about what you say. Go ahead, back there in the orange. Don't give up. Don't give up because we're going to encourage them to be motivated. Anything else? Somebody else? I can see Jesus shining through you. That's wonderful. Somebody behind you? Say something nice to them when they're not even expecting it. Here, I, I, I wrote down a few of them. You want to read through these? Let's do it. I think you are fantastic. Do you think that's a nice thing to say? You did a great job. Somebody got that one. Thanks for being such a great kid. I appreciate you. I like you. Spending time with you reminds me of how special you are. As I told you, those church members where I grew up in the Detroit area were always encouraging me. They were writing letters to me. I, um, my parents adopted a little girl when I was young from another country, and I had been the little diva of the family. You know, I was the only girl. And I wasn't sure that I wanted to share my room with somebody. And I had a little a, a Sabbath school teacher that wrote a lovely little letter to me that said, isn't it wonderful that Jesus chose your family for your sister to come And isn't it wonderful that you're going to be able to teach her English and about Jesus and that he chose you because you have that special mission. And I felt pretty special when I was done. And um, and I can't say that it was a completely smooth process, but, you know, we were doing very, very good. And actually, we we sang Korean and, and English for Sabbath school songs and all kinds of things. We were having a great time, and uh, it was really special. Here's some more. Thanks for being such a hard worker. You are a great example. I was just telling Dad or Mom how proud I am of you. I'm grateful God gave you to me. I like how your mind works. These are all really encouraging, aren't they? Great job on your homework. You're so, I don't like, I'm going to take off that one. You're so handsome or beautiful. I think it's really awful when people... Um, are always talking about those kinds of things. Because if children are just plain, they get ignored. Have you noticed that in our society? 
There was somebody who had a child that was a cute little blue-eyed blonde that got a lot of attention in the grocery store, and people would say, isn't she a killer, and won't she have a lot of boyfriends, and isn't she going to be a real looker? And those were some things that they were upset over. Well, their daughter got burned beyond. I mean, she had um, scars all over her face, and she said, now when they went to the grocery store, people went, what happened? Oh, is she going to have more surgeries? Those kinds of things. And you recognize how much beauty is um, valued in the American culture. And it was very hard on this little girl. I've learned some... Oh, I'm going to go back. What can you say to adults? Adults that you live with or adults that you work with? Can you think of some nice things that you could say to adults? Go ahead. That's a great idea. I'm so blessed to have you in your life. I mean, isn't that an, a wonderful thing to say? You're so helpful. I appreciate what you do. Anybody else? Okay, here's some that I came up with. They're not perfect. I just want you to know. I've learned so much from you. You make me a better person. I love spending time with you. You're so much fun to be with. That meal was so great. Have you seen people where they sit down and nobody says anything about the person who did all the work? Um, actually, I've sat at meals where I've um, been horrified because the father, you know, the wife made something special. I remember that that time it was enchiladas and rice and guacamole. And he said, you know, your guacamole is pretty tasteless today. And then the kids joined in and go, yeah, even the enchiladas, they're not, you know, they, they're not as creamy as they usually are. And and the other kid says, yeah, and you know, I like mine with salad on it. And the father says, yeah, too bad that you kind of, you didn't score very good with this meal. And by the time I was done eating, I just felt so horrible. And uh, we need to recognize that um, as parents, we set the example for our kids, don't we? Thank you for everything you do around the house. Our kids are so fortunate to have you as a parent, right? Important. I will always love you. Thanks for supporting me. You're so creative. I appreciate you um, that you did something. You handled that so well. I feel safe with you. You can do this, right? There's a lot of things. Thank you for looking after me. Thank you for always being there. No one does it quite like you. You're the best. I'm here for you. You have a talent. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Agape love is when other people's happiness is more important than our own. And what is, what is the term that Mrs. White uses? Self-denial. We need to be practicing self-denial. Because of God's love in your heart, we will love people enough to tell them about Jesus and to serve them more than our, ourselves. Many of you, if I asked you, since Jesus came into your heart, what has it done for you? Anybody? Has it encouraged you? Go ahead. Makes you more patient? Does it make you feel loved? Does it make you feel like a reason to get up in the morning? It makes you, it gives you a reason to be alive. So when you think about the people around us who don't have any of that, shouldn't we have empathy and nurture for them that they should be able to have the same experience? Though everything else fails, love never will. That's from 1 Corinthians 13.8. Okay, we're going to have closing prayer with George Campbell. 
given us many things that we can dwell upon and have your grace to implement in our lives. We ask that you'll bless us as we choose to do that through you. And we thank you for your love and for your presence to be here today in thy name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.